Hello and welcome to IT Conversations, a series of programs and interviews with experts in today's hot topics in information technology. I'm your host, Doug Kay, and today I'm fulminating with fondness for this final 2004 edition of the Gilmore Gaggle. And here now is Steve Gilmore. Thanks, Doug. Uh, I'm, I don't know how to begin, so I think I'm going to just pass the buck to Doc Searles. Doc, take it away. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's what happened last night. Uh, uh, Steve said, I don't have any guests, and I said, why don't we round up... Um uh, some of the guys that are talking about identity, and he said, okay, you do that. And so I sent an email out to a pile of people, nearly all of whom answered. So um, uh, so I think we have, am I wrong, Steve, we have probably by a factor of 2x the biggest gang ever assembled. Well, it's a, it's a good thing, given the fact that this is the uh, final show of the year, or maybe ever, depending on... <laughs> You mean it weighs too heavy, it went into the boat, and it all started? No, uh, Dave Weiner, who's on the call, uh, we were talking uh, yesterday on the phone, and uh, he said, so uh, where's the next uh, Gilmore gang? I said, uh, I don't know if, if there's going to be one. And he said, what? Right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, no. Exactly what I said. I, you're talking to an addict here, guys. Okay, well, we gotta we got to keep the uh, the faith. Uh, if the comet hits, then we're, you know, we're all out of luck, so... Uh, in the meantime, uh, back to you, Doc. Okay, so um, I, I, I've been uh, paying a lot of attention to the subject of identity for, for a while, and I, I sort of see my role in it is as just keeping the subject on the front burner. I think it's a brand-new subject still. There's a lot of work that's been done on the back end, as it were, for uh, between large companies with something called Federation, which... I have facetiously called large companies having sex with your data, but um, but it's blind, so they don't really know it's your data. That's part of what makes what Liberty does um, good, I guess. So, and I think since Brian's on here, he probably knows more about that than anybody else here. Uh, we'll let him correct me on that later. I think what I'd like to do is start with uh, with Phil Winley, who has um, uh, who is busy writing the book on identity, and uh, who met a bunch of us again at digital ID world, which is the last time this gang or much of it was assembled, to kind of give us the high-level view on what's going on with it. And, Phil, could you, as you, uh, uh, as you go down the list, uh, could you uh, ask uh, the representative of that particular uh, view of identity to uh, say hello and uh, identify themselves? If I, if I can remember who's here, I sure will. There's a long list, but uh, uh, th- thanks, Doc. One of the, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned a spectrum, and we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, where there's everything from liberty, which is, you know, about companies getting together and being able to transfer identity data, all the way down to things like FOF and SKIP, which are more about people being able to identify themselves for some purpose. And I think if we look at those two extremes, you know, we've got Brian uh, with Ping, who is working on the Federation side, and uh, Drummond is probably, and uh, Mark, you're doing some stuff with FOF, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, so maybe maybe we could have uh, Brian talk about Federation and, you know, what his view of that is and then contrast that with some of the things that Drummond and Mark are doing. Hi, this is uh, Brian Field Elliott, Ping Identity. 
And then also source ID, and is that not also the case still? That is also the case. Thank you, Doctor. Okay. Appreciate <laughs> is that Is that Andrew Ron's company? Uh, that is Andre Duran's company. That's correct. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, when I engage in, in these conversations, I sort of become a, a de facto uh, spokesperson for uh, Liberty Alliance or the Liberty Protocol, um, and that's certainly not on purpose. But uh, within within this within this circle, uh, I end up being asked to to speak about his goals and uh, mechanisms, etc. From the Liberty Alliance standpoint, Liberty Alliance is a, is a consortium of companies uh, that are setting together protocols at the data level as well as standards and guidelines for implementation on protocols that help facilitate single sign-on between websites uh, as well as to help facilitate uh, attribute or data exchange about people which are performing single sign-ons, whether it's employees, whether it's customers, whether it's end users, um, whatever the case may be. And I think, uh, well, there's too much to tell in in a quick recap, but one thing I will say that's relevant to to what's been said already is that I think uh, Liberty Alliance has given undue credit for the fact that it does view the entire identity ecosystem as at least a three-party system. There's uh, a server or service that you're coming from, there's the server or service that you're going to, and then there's the person who is... uh, sort of floating between these two systems, whether they want to single sign-on anonymously or with some data uh, going with them or with a large amount of data going with them about who they are and what they intend to do. Uh, and I think, it, I think Liberty gets an un, unjustified bad rap for being all about uh, uh, large companies having sex with data about you. Because I'm the one who's been doing the bad rapping, so... What's that? I'm the one doing the bad rapping. So I <laughs> well, I understand. Uh, I understand where the stance comes from because if you look at the the, the authors uh, and, and the primary movers and funders of the Liberty Alliance, it's it's a lot of big companies uh, that are solving big problems involving thousands of employees at one time or or hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of, of customers at one time, and they're not really about your desktop uh, and you being able to single sign on from whatever services you choose. It's really about their services. So I understand where that comes from. Uh, at the same time. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a wire protocol for moving data uh, with some PKI sprinkled in to help uh, ensure privacy and uh, some guidelines around how to protect the privacy uh, and, and, and uh, obtain consent from the end user. I'm sure it's not unlike the other kind of identity protocols that are represented on this call. All right, Phil, your, your next uh, person was uh, Drummond, correct? Correct. Drummond, could you identify yourself and your companies? You bet. Um, at Drummond Reed, and uh, <clears throat> I'm CTO at uh, Cordon Corporation uh, in Seattle, and uh, I co-chair the uh, XRI and XBI technical committees at Oasis, and so those are the, uh, quote, protocols that, um, as, uh, as Brian said, I'm, I'm frequently asked to be a spokesperson for, um, and they uh, uh, they as we discuss the digital identity world, they do uh, uh, tend to... Uh, we have, in some ways, we have almost the opposite problem. Uh, problem. The uh, um, iNames, which are the uh, sort of the generic term for uh, uh, XRIs that are coming on the market, um, are, are very much identified with, as, uh, at the other end of the spectrum as being a way uh, for individuals to uh, have an identifier that they own and control and can use uh, as... as their, their key for personal identity interchange. 
And uh, yet, uh, the, the same thing is true of the Oasis XRI and XDI uh, work in that it's actually uh, neutral. It does have a, a specific uh, syntax for personal identifiers, um, and it's very appropriate for uh, um, a, an infrastructure of what we call iBrokers, uh, which are the the uh, equivalent of identity providers in the, in the uh, Liberty Alliance protocols. Uh, but iBrokers will serve uh, organizations and will serve communities uh, in addition to individuals. Um, and uh, another common misperception is that iBrokers will only use uh, XRI and XDI protocols when, in, in fact, we expect iBrokers uh, to use them in conjunction with, uh, with these other protocols, with uh, not only the Liberty Protocols, but the uh, WS Star Stack uh, from uh, um, you know IBM and, and Microsoft and, and the rest of, of, of those folks. So XRI and XDI are very much about interoperability between uh, other protocols and introducing uh, essentially smarter or interoperable identifiers in the form of XRI, I names and I numbers. So, so Mark, this is Phil Windley again. Um, speaking for Faux for or, or other uh, products you may be involved with at the individual space, it seems to me that something like an iName could be associated with a Faux as an identifier. Tell us what Faux is and what you what it tries to do. And but, first, say who Mark is and okay, what company. Okay, so all right. So my name is Mark Cantor. I'm associated with a company called Broadband Mechanics. And I've been working a lot in the, shall we call it, FOF space or the space for digital identity for individuals. So um, one way we've been parsing things so far is that this spectrum with uh, corporate and enterprise in one end of the spectrum and the individual on the other end. But uh, unfortunately, it's not that simple of a puzzle, so I'm going to create another dimension here. And it's the difference between pieces of the puzzle and complete systems. So there are complete systems like the Liberty Alliance, which have all the different pieces of the puzzle wrapped up inside of them. And this is where we can bring our very good friends uh, from Redmond, Microsoft, into the discussion because they have their own uh, standalone system. But then there are pieces of the puzzle that kind of exist on their own, and that's what FOF is. FOF is simply a, a data structure wrapper format which will hold any kind of unique identifier. So it could be one or more iNames. It could be your Liberty Alliance thing. It could be your My Yahoo login or whatever kind of what's referred to as metadata you want to have could be inside of this folk wrapper. So when Dick Hart created a system called Skip Networks, I, we went to Dick and said, hey, we'd love it if you would support folk. And he said, great, I'm looking for a format that represents the person's, uh, their, their digital identity record. And certainly, uh, Drum and Reed and the iNames folks also will be supporting FOF. So uh, the only question would be, would the Liberty Alliance or Microsoft people support FOF? And at yeah. that point, you could have a format that everyone could understand. So what we do is we try to take this digital identity stuff and put it into a, a, a realistic context of how it's used in in what situation, uh, rather than talking about identity as a standalone thing, it's in reference to social networking or in blogging or, you know, putting it into a context, which is how humans and individuals are going to understand it. So to kind of pull that all together, I, say, I like what you say, Mark, about uh, systems and having to have a system to put all of this 
into. It seems to me that one of the key components of that is trust, in the sense that I can get an I name, I can get, I can assert some things about me in a FOF record, but what other frameworks do is provide some way of giving other people trust that those assertions is correct. Uh, maybe we could go to Kim Cameron and have Kim talk about that issue and how he sees that all coming together. Wow. Uh, this is Kim. Um, I guess I'm actually a little suspicious of the word trust. Kim, where do you work? Oh, I work at, <laughs> I work at Microsoft. I am the architect of identity and access systems there. Uh, Kim, this is Steve. Could you uh, also identify uh, a little bit of your of your past heritage in terms of identity as well? Yes. Uh, you know, I was uh, for many years. I worked in a, um, my own company called uh, Zoomit Corporation. I was one of the founders, and uh, we were one of the uh, original companies to com- come across the idea of meta directory. And uh, so I actually consider myself more of a representative of the problem of identity and the problem of meta-thinking than the representative of any one given part of the industry, if you know what I mean. I know nobody believes this, but that's where I actually come from. I do. I believe it. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. That's great. So Mark has trust in that. And I want to go on record. Drummond is saying, I, I, I believe it. I've listened to Kim in some detail, and a man speaks the truth. Well, uh, before we have a you know a, a regular old uh, you know <laughs> kumbaya experience here, uh, Kim, could you uh, respond to uh, uh, the question that uh, that Phil was suggesting? And then I'd like to hear from uh, someone who's been uh, a big fan of yours for a long time, uh, uh, Craig Burton. Um, and, and me of him. Uh, okay. Uh, first of all, I, I think uh, I'm a little, I know this is a hard one to change, but I'm a little suspicious of the word trust because uh, it's more a question of digital re- relationships and being able to recognize the people we're dealing with as opposed to necessarily trusting them. I mean, you want to be able to recognize people who you don't trust as well as people who you do trust. But uh, nonetheless, the main, the main point that uh, was being made is, is absolutely right. Some, sometimes you, you always need some uh, mechanism for evaluating whether, you know, what you are recognizing. Um, and there are many different ways of doing that. And, you know, people like Doc Searles and myself have been proponents of bottom-up based systems of doing that and people like the Liberty guys and myself have been <laughs> proponents of top-down systems because I think you need you know both both sets of technologies and, and we need to think this through as uh, something that works cohesively in all of the different parts of our lives which which means that it handles a lot of different um, recognition requirements I'd like to jump in here for a second this is Doc Searles um, uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have uh, both, and this before Craig comes on, I also want to invite Dave Weiner to come in right after that. The reason, one reason I wanted both Craig and, 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 and Dave in this is because this is really, you know, what, regardless of what the specifications are, uh, FOF, INAMES, X, XRI, Liberty, the rest of it, 
we, we're barely at square one with identity so far. Um, I, I, I maintain that it barely exists as a service on the net, and we have a couple people with us who have made made some things ubiquitous. Craig did it with um, uh, first at Novell um, back in the 80s. He did it again at the Burton Group in, in fostering the idea that um, a construct of the net is a collection of services rather than just as pipes and protocols and so forth. And, and Dave has done it with blogging, which all of us do now, and with RSS, which he's, which he's done an amazing job of, of promulgating. And so it, I, what I'd like to have listeners get out of this is a sense of where, where's the momentum going to come from on this? How is it going to come together? What is it going to take to make this stuff ubiquitous and not just something that we talk about in technical committees? So, Craig, why don't you hit that one first and then Dan? Yeah. This is Craig Burton. Um, I think what we need to see is a system that that is more inclusive than any of the systems, the silo-based systems that have been built around operating systems and environments that, that are that have shown up so far. Uh, everybody builds their own, and. That's because they don't have a choice. There's no infrastructure on which to build identity separately from a system. And we're just now starting to see people really be serious about providing that kind of infrastructure. Um, I'm excited about what the laws of, of identity that Kim is talking about, and the reason that I'm excited about it is because I know it's talking about real products behind it. Even though parts of them may be inside a Microsoft silo, they won't be inside a Microsoft silo. Right. Okay. Uh, Microsoft silo is is old fashioned thinking, right? Good. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you say it loud and clear, Kim. <laughs> uh, you know, the, it may be old fashioned thinking, but uh, there's plenty of that thinking still going on at Microsoft. Yes. Well, there's a plenty of old fashioned thinking going on everywhere. So you know, the real question I think that Doc is asking, and certainly I think we're all interested in, is where's the momentum going to break out? So let's uh, talk to Dr. Momentum, Dave Weiner. <laughs> First of all, I haven't been able to figure out how to hit the mute button, so I'm probably adding most of the noise to this. Yeah, I, I, what's the gas cost where you are? Oh, gas is cheap. I'm actually parked off the side of the road um, in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, so far away from all the struggles. Um, I think that one way to get there is for Bill Gates to say he's sorry. Um, I think that, you know, if you want to trace back the steps as to why we don't have a universal identity system now, uh, I'm with John Udell. I listened to last week's show and found it fascinating. Um, and in that show, John said, um, you know, he thought that we would certainly have a, u a universal identity system by now. And we should have had a universal identity system. And had Microsoft not decided to attack the web, instead had tried to like embrace the spirit of the web, uh, then when they launched Hailstorm, they would have launched it in a web-like way. And trust is the big word in this space. It's the whole thing. Uh, you know, nobody in their right mind in 1999 or 98 or whenever they introduced Hailstorm would have trusted them because they were completely untrustworthy. They weren't trying to earn anybody's trust. 
And uh, as a result, we have a very fragmented system. I don't agree with Doc that we're, it's, I mean, it would be, we are at the beginning in the sense that we have no functionality, uh, but we aren't at the beginning in the sense that people haven't, like, dug in entrenched positions and, um, you know, and have something to lose by compromising at this point. Um, you know, you said that, or sort of implied that RSS was easy. RSS was not easy. RSS, or, and blogging wasn't easy either. Uh, it, you know, a lot of it, you know, uh, this came up, Jay Rosen asked the question um, of Zach Rosen, what should the Greensboro, North Carolina newspapers do when they set up their blogging system? And he suggested they should set something up like Daily Cost, uh, which is a centralized system where everybody sort of gathers around the ideas of one person and I suggest the opposite. Create a system where you can't even find the Greensboro, North Carolina newspapers. Just help the people in your community start blogging and don't try to get credit for it. And I think of that as the way the blogging world, you know, started. I mean, Doc, you started a lot of blogs, and but nobody, really almost nobody knows that I got you into the blogging world and then you got somebody else into it, and they in turn arm-twisted somebody else, and that's how you get something like this going but you don't carry the sort of the control along with it. Uh, I remember early on you, you said I was like your landlord, and I said, no, I'm not like your landlord. <laughs> you just do whatever you want to do. And that's what hasn't happened in, in identity. You haven't had any sort of strong power here that is in a position where people trust them. And as we went through, as you guys went through it last week, the government isn't in a position to do this. Uh, and we've got a horrible situation because we can on those driver's license numbers as being unique identifiers, but they're totally not. I'm a guy without, uh, like, a permanent address, so I understand how little identity is, how fragile the system is. So, you know, we got a problem, and I don't see any way to solve it. I think I heard uh, Craig say that you disagreed. I disagree that there's no way out. Okay, well, elaborate. What is it? I don't know that I can tell you the way out, but I can tell you that taking an approach of some of the things that that Kim's been talking about in his five laws will go a long ways to solve the problem, whether it's Microsoft or not. Especially what are they? I mean, for those of us who don't know what they are, I don't. Well, okay. Um, so, Kim, can you give us a, a, a top-level rundown of what the five laws are and how those may serve uh, both Dave's concerns and Craig's there? Um, that's kind of a long thing. Are you going to do it, Kim? Um... Okay, I I don't know Kim if this is the right. Okay, I'll because it's hard to hear, to, uh, Craig. So go ahead. Kim. Okay, so so the basic concept was that you know people often talk about uh, identity with all of these moral imperatives, and um, uh, you know I wanted to rephrase the conversation so that we looked for the dynamics that can explain. Um, what has happened to previous attempts to do identity and what would be required in order to establish a successful system. And so I came out with seven laws, uh, of which I've published five. And um, like the first one is the law of control, which is that the end user must be able to, must consent to any release of information about him or her. And the second is the law of minimal disclosure. In other words, <clears throat> that any system, uh, the system that discloses the least will be the most stable long-term system. 
uh, the law of fewest parties, which is that um, disclosure of, of information should be limited to the parties having a necessary and justifiable place in the identity relationship. Um, a fairly complex law called the law of directed identity, which says instead of everybody just having a, uh, a single identifier that allows them to be tracked, we have to distinguish between public identity with, with you know, um, say, what a website has as a public entity versus private identity, which is my identity when I go to that website. And we, we, so I call that omnidirectional identity versus unidirectional identity. And that has a lot of privacy implications. And the fifth law is the law of pluralism, which is that an identity system has to, that, that if you want to build a universal system, you have to be able to channel and enable the interworking of multiple technologies run by multiple providers. And what I'm saying here is that it's not just a question of having different people who you trust, uh, as we've been saying, but of, of having systems with different capabilities that are used for different purposes that might even be contradictory, and yet being able to put those inside a, um, an encompassing protocol layer and user experience. So the net result of these laws is, uh, and, you know, they, they all have a lot of implications, but if you follow these laws, you will be able to create a social contract and technology union that will allow us to have successful systems. And if you don't follow them, you won't. So, like, I look at something like Passport, and, and I always looked at it this way, and I, I, I felt that it didn't follow the law of fewest parties. And I believe that that created a lot of questioning, and rightly so. And I look at things like Bluetooth, and they don't follow the law of directed identity because, um, you know, they allow you to be tracked as you walk through the mall uh, because you don't have a private identifier, even though you're in a private um, role. So it's that kind of thing. And, and what I'm saying is that if we build our systems while ignoring these laws, then it's like a civil engineer building a system and ignoring the law of gravity. No, it isn't. They build the systems now. They build them and not they... It's not at all like that. It's not at all like that. They build systems that violate all those rules. I mean, which, which of those rules are respected, in, you know, in, in any sense at all? It's well, not and like that's the law we, And that's why we don't have a system. That's why we're in the state you're, you're talking about. Right, but these aren't... I mean, Craig, in what sense are these solutions? If, I mean, you said it, it's totally not like the law of gravity, though. I mean, law of gravity, you can't build a building without respecting the law of gravity. Doesn't oh, work. yes, you can. You can build a building which is very unbalanced, and, uh, you know, a few earthquakes have, have shown what the results of that are. Yeah. You can build buildings that don't have any resilience and any flexibility. You can build bridges that collapse when the banks move. Yeah. All right, so uh, how do you uh, uh, apply uh, these new laws to existing infrastructures? Well... I believe that all of if you if you look at what people are talking about here concretely, um, you know I'm I'm kind of like I'm actually an admirer of most of the identity initiatives that people have been trying to put in place. They they may be partial, but that doesn't mean that we need to you know uh, diss them completely. I, they're useful for the things they're intended for. And so what I'm looking for and what I'm trying to build and what I'm trying to articulate and, and gain momentum for is 
a way of being able to do what we did with meta directory, but with identity. And that's where maybe Craig can defend me because, you know, I'm a very nervous person. I'm at the end of my. Uh... <laughs> I should add that Craig uh, coined the term meta directory, and Kim uh, substantiated it with uh, the work that he did at Zoomit, and it's one of the reasons we're going to at least talk about meta directory today. Well. The issues of dealing with pluralism of the, the fifth law are, are what's so important here and why uh, I think that that I only know one person building a system that's trying to do that. Uh, that's Kim. Unfortunately, he works at Microsoft. That that That's a problem. Well, you know, Dave Weiner has talked about uh, the opportunity for Microsoft to be able to lead this parade at this point. Uh, Microsoft's the only one that can lead the parade. Right. Here, so, here. Any other entity that can do it. Uh, here, well, here. We, we have to go beyond a parade, and Microsoft has to, and that's what you're talking about when you talk about Bill, poor Bill, <laughs> poor guy. But anyway, when you talk about him apologizing for the work of, of those who, who who talked him into that position. Oh, give me uh, a break. That's just... Come on! No, it's true. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I sort of. We can already tell the apology won't be from the heart when and if it ever comes. No, I mean, no well, okay. I, I don't want to get into you know past past sins and, but I can tell you just you know uh, from my personal experience that what was wanted was an identity system. It wasn't control of the world, okay, and you know that it just. People were very naive about it, in my opinion, and they finally recognized that. Um, I'm sorry, who was that that said that? That was Kim. Kim. All right, I do. I who don't, was, who I don't was naive about that? Like, listen, I, I lived in Canada until uh, 1999. I wasn't part of a lot of the experiences. I was very protected working on this issue of meta directory. So I don't know all of the, you know, the the experiences you guys have gone through where you ran over each other and beat each other up and screwed each other up and all that sort of stuff. I'm just talking about what I've seen with my, my eyes when we talk about this stuff. Hmm? Kim, none of the people on the phone right now did that, what you just described. So for you to say you guys did that, that's completely, utterly unfair. The company that you work for did that. Well, okay. Um, you know, I, I, wasn't, I, I didn't see it, uh, and, and I'm not... You know, I'm not making a moral judgment, by the way, okay? Here's the deal, all right? When Microsoft came to the industry with a pitch called Hailstorm, right, nobody took them up on it. Well, all, I did. Well, I took them up on it. What? I took them up on Hailstorm. Oh, you oh, geez. All right, look. What kind of... <laughs> all right, I'm glad... No, I'm, and, and I'm sure lots of... Sorry, us, nobody... Uh, all right, lots of people took them up on it, but not enough... To make a consensus, to get up, took them up on it. All right, well, but it stopped, didn't it? Well, you know, I I think. You know, but there's a point. point. I didn't get. I'm not getting the way he helped kill it. Is that? Um, I don't want to I mean, exaggerate. I mean, Jim Alton killed Jim Hailstorm. That's what happened. Jim Alton personally killed Hailstorm. No, that's not what happened. I, well, at least that's. Can I finish the thought? All right, Kim, you accepted it, but the industry as a whole rejected it, and the reason why was we would have been crazy to do it because Microsoft had not not only not earned trust, the extent that they had trust, they threw it away. 
they basically said, we don't care what you guys think of us. We're going to do what we want to do. And if you don't like it, screw you. They said well, that to the government. You see, I, I, the I, think, and okay, I think it goes users. beyond that. And at that point, wait, let me finish this thought. At that okay. point, no way are they going to be the proponent of a standardized identity system. That was the disconnect. They didn't understand that we had choice. And then we said no. Okay? And now we're in a position where we, we do need to say yes to somebody. And it's, it's a problem. That's all. I don't think it's going to get solved. I read in the New York Times that kids give their passwords to their friends because it's more convenient to do that. And people put their passwords on stick-ups on their monitors because they always forget their passwords. You know, I, I don't think that the public appreciates identity. I think there's been a little bit of human evolution that's gone on in the interim and that all these rules sound really nice on paper, but we're getting old, folks. You know, and our ideas about what identity is and what it should be and what everybody else's ideas are about it are very, very different. Well, I agree with uh, a lot of what you're saying. What, what I want to make clear is that I think that Hellstorm was wrong because it was based on the wrong technologies. It had the wrong assumptions, and that none of those, we should never um, trust any party in the, in the way that that technology would have required us to do. Yep. And, and that it isn't necessary to do so. So we shouldn't even go in those directions. We should pursue uh, the actual capabilities of, of technology, that, that cryptography and... and now we're getting uh, somewhere. Okay, Kim, because, you see, had Microsoft had a trustworthy relationship with the developer communities and their competitors, we would have said exactly that to them in 1997, and they would have said, oh, that's interesting, let's think about that. What would you like us to do? In other words, it would have been, as Doc likes to say, a conversation. It wasn't a conversation. It was well, about okay, but I, I, I understand that. All I'm saying is I'm here now, and I want to have a conversation, right. and I, I believe we can do this. No, I think the lesson here is that everybody has to step back. Everybody that has some position here and feels like they have something to protect has to step back and divest and then think about what, does the, what makes the world a better place. It's not that, you know, Steve likes to joke about it and call that kumbaya. That's the only way it's going to happen. I agree with that. Yeah. All right, so I'd, I'd like to hear some of the other voices on the call, but I'd like them to refer to uh, this particular part of the conversation. In other words, Brian, what's your take on, uh, you know, what, what could you do to step back, as Dave suggests? Sure. Well, uh, at my company, Pink Identity, our long-term business vision is to be involved in uh, trust brokering Transactions, in other words, helping companies introduce uh, their servers to each other, essentially, so that a common customer from one company might be able to seamlessly go to another, uh, should they choose to do that in an opt-in fashion. I want to make that very clear up front before someone plans me down on that. Um, to that extent, we are long-term protocol agnostic. We just want to see ubiquity of an identity infrastructure. As long as the standards are open, as long as they're unencumbered by patents and as long as they cover all the use cases that are important to our long-term business vision, then we don't have any particular long-term vested interest in uh, whether it's SAML, WS Federation, uh, Liberty, SKIP, uh, or FOF, any or, or some convergence or, or future permutation of those. Uh, so I'm not here to, uh, in particular, champion Liberty. We happen to think it's the most mature uh, and, 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 and widest coverage of use cases uh, in the market presently, but uh, that's not a 
a long-term, uh, you know, we, we just want to see ubiquity uh, and interoperability long-term. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll reserve the right to uh, re-question the witness uh, because I didn't hear you answer the question about stepping back. I heard oh, I'm sorry. basically reiterate what your position is. But, uh, you know, think about that while I ask Drummond uh, for a comment. Um, I've had the luxury of being able to talk with uh, Kim and Craig uh, in more depth about uh, uh, Kim's vision for where uh, you know he is trying to take Microsoft, and I want to put in a plea for uh, you know letting us giving Kim the room to uh, be able to first articulate it so we all understand uh, what he's trying to do. And, and the challenges in front of him. I mean, one of the ways I look at it is if, if we can all acknowledge that Microsoft could play a very significant role in how, how we could converge on a universal interoperable identity system, um, but we, you know, stone every person that uh, emerges at Microsoft to, to go down that path, we're never going to get there. Um, if, if, if we can hear Kim out and, and get a good discussion going about how those of us working on different pieces of the of the puzzle and on open standards that contribute towards that, um, and understand how they can interoperate, and and uh, then then we might actually be able to get the momentum towards uh, towards what what Kim envisions. Okay, so uh, in your case, what could you do to step back from uh, from the iNames uh, proposal that would uh, foster some sort of communication across? Uh, the divide of uh, what you know bad acting has done in the past to poison today's uh, environment. You bet. No, it's, it's, well, the, the very first step was uh, following Mark Cantor's suggestion and 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 Docs both. I give both of them a lot of credit for convening this uh, uh, kumbaya discussion, as as Mark put it, uh, to get all the parties talking and saying what's it going to take to do that. Um, Actually, my name is Dave. I'm, no, I'm sorry, I was. Specifically, uh, talking about Mark Cantor's original suggestion at Digital Identity World that there be a, uh, a kumbaya meeting. Oh, Mark. really? He said that too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Maybe the two of you were talking about it together. Uh, <laughs> I just talked about it five minutes ago. That's all. That's why I thought. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I, that's that's okay. I, kumbaya's good. I think we should close this with a song when we get there. <laughs> totally. I didn't tell But anyway. Mark, what so, will you give up? <laughs> will you give up RDF? Would I say that again? Mark. Mark. Mark Cantor. <laughs> sure, I would, would go, I'll, sacrifice, I'll sacrifice RDF for the spirit of the people, absolutely. Oh, right. The question is, did I go around and kill all the people who believe in RDF? I mean, now, the, the kill's a bad word. We don't use kill on this well, show. I absolutely can't represent, the, represent them. I can only speak for who I am. Yeah, well, that's all you can do. All right, well, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, Mark, but I, first I want to hear uh, Drummond finish his thought. Right, so I, I was just going to say that uh, in getting that dialogue going with, uh, with Kim and, and, and Craig, we specifically are exploring what is the synergy between uh, the Oasis XRI and XDI effort that, uh, that is behind the emergence of iNames and iBrokers and the uh, 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 WS Star Stack and, and specifically WS Trust that Kim is working on. And we very much would like to find that interoperability. Um, again, I, you know, we have been working with and plan to use uh, um, the SAML specs and the Liberty Alliance protocols at, since they're the only thing out there 
for one of the first uh, iName-based services called iName Single Sign-On, um, which is just a, a way to put the two things together and, 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 and make a really simple user experience around uh, uh, single sign-on and a broad, you know, broad number of sites. So uh, you know, I would say that the, the Oasis work going on on XRI and XDI is very much about that establishing that interoperability. I mean, there are meta-identifiers and meta-protocols to do that. So I look forward to, to I mean, and I'm happy to, to try and drive those discussions with Kim and Craig and Brian and the Liberty folks and Dick Hart and Skip and uh, Mark, because the faster we converge on something universal, the faster it will gain adoption. All right, so Mark, what's your, your take on the uh, uh, opportunity or the possibility of, of this kind of thing actually uh, uh, some, how he's going to stand back? Well, can he, how can he take a step back? What well, can he let go of? Well, he already said that he's going to st- take a step away from RDF. But maybe so. he can let go of something else. I don't. I, 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 you know, I certainly don't want to make the the conversation discussion of me defending RDF, right? No, no. So, okay. So the issue is trying to get a bunch of different people who have different approaches to something together, working together, right? That's what we're talking about, right? So if people work together, you don't necessarily say to a subset of those people uh, what you're doing is wrong because then that's starting off on the wrong foot. You know, I mean, you, it has to be an inclusive approach rather than a, you know exclusionary approach. So that, that's the first thing I think is important. For instance, we all know that regardless of what we come up with, unless we have Microsoft's cooperation, it doesn't matter. So I think what's historic about what's going on right now, and it started in Denver, and it's taken a while for us to have this phone call, but you know, hopefully next year we'll have more of these phone calls, is that Kim Cameron, who's in charge of identity for Microsoft, is saying they want to do a meta directory approach, a meta approach. They, and he's putting out these laws and these ideals that he knows his own company cannot adhere to. Am I correct, Kim? No, I don't know that. Okay, I, I guess... Well, I guess I've still right got now. to learn that. <laughs> well, but let's deal with that right now. So you've stated some ideals. Your own company doesn't adhere to those ideals. So for us to believe or trust you would seem to say that there's a decoupling, a disconnect between who you are and what your company is. Well, but when my, you make okay. a statement like you want to make a meta approach to solve this, that's what's in my head. Do I believe you that you can do it? You well, know. <laughs> Mark, yeah. I've gotten Kim's employer to support more technology than Kim has. Okay. So, and I don't think the way to get there is to have uh, expansion. And, I mean, what you described, everybody does have to give up something, basically, because otherwise what you end up with is something that's like OpenDoc. OpenDoc was a consortium uh, that basically said what you said. You know, we have to respect everything that everybody that's coming into this alliance has done so far, and that included IBM, Borland, Apple, and Symantec, and a bunch of HP and a bunch of other companies. Uh, and so what you ended up with was um, a bookshelf of specifications uh, that had, you know, one book in the shelf was the one that said what IBM's version of OpenDoc looked like, and one said this is what Apple's version of OpenDoc They didn't share anything. They were basically just changed the name, of each of their protocols to OpenDoc. So if you're going to sit down, if you're going to take that approach, and I don't think that's the only approach, because one thing that could happen is uh, 
I mean, there was a thread that started in the last one where Phil Lindley was talking about the idea of starting with DNS. Because we know DNS works, right? It's a naming system. It's fully deployed. It scales. It's incredibly useful. And so if we start with that and then say something like, something very much like folk probably could be the next layer on top of that. And say, All right, so let me pick up on that for a minute and just say, can we provide a shared namespace that provides some meaningful data about users, about people? Right, okay, so let me pick up on that by throwing the ball to both. Please say who's talking, please. Okay, my name is Mark Cantor, okay. And let me pick up on that and throw the ball to Kim or Craig to reflect on how you think the Skip Network's DNS approach can do that. Okay, uh, Craig, are you going to take this? Oh, go ahead, Jim. Um, well, I think that, you know, their DNS, the, first of all, they have a mix of technology, part of which is sort of registry, and, and what's interesting about it is that they serve really as a finger pointing at the moon rather than as the moon. Um, there's a level of indirection, and that's a very positive thing, uh, you know, allowing, you know, more... Uh, distribution of, of the way in which identity is expressed. Um, currently, they're, they're also very much tied into uh, just functioning inside conventional web browsers, you know, with a lot of um, uh, technology that unfortunately is fishable. You know, there are problems, there are fundamental problems in HTML. So what I'm talking to them about and what I, I'm hoping can happen there is that, uh, you know, once again, we, we get them to think a little further forward in, in the future about how they could integrate that into this sort of larger context that I'm trying to, you know, bring forth. Um, and, and that includes the info card system, you know, a bunch of stuff that it isn't appropriate to discuss here, but uh, stuff that would you know, bring them into the mainstream. So instead of them trying to sell their stuff on an individual basis, they're sort of producing, if you want, the equivalent of a card that fits into a chassis. And, you know, the way that happened, you know, in the early days of PCs. So there would be a plug-in service that would plug into this meta architecture. Yes, everybody could plug in. And, and it would be a real ecology, just like we had a bus. And, you know, once we had the IBM PC and you could plug cards in, that was a tremendously um, liberating thing. Greg, do you have any uh, uh, further amplification of what he just said? Yeah, what, what I want from Kim is the bios of that infrastructure so that we can start plugging into the Internet OS. And that's, that's, that's what we're talking about is an Internet OS with a plug-in bus for multiple types of infrastructures or identity systems that can, that can work together instead of try to overcome each other. And, and this is Mark again. And, and so I just want to say that for my naive marketing guys, understanding of the technology, uh, the particular differences of formats between RDF and XML or converting from what the Drummond has to what Brian has, that stuff can all be facilitated. <clears throat> it's this backplane bus. And this interchangeability that is the rocket science that has to get created. Yes, and 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 see, I, I would look at FOF, and you know, I'm a great supporter of FOF, um, and I see it also, you know, being able to function within that within that environment. 
Exactly. And 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 so and so this backplane stuff is you know you have to sort of bang your head and you know it's it's you have to get uh, I I think uh, I appreciate what Drummond said in the sense that you know I've got to to get this to happen I really need the help of my friends. Yeah, I just want to reinforce that uh, that the, that conversation started now and that that uh, circle is going and so the more of us that. That say okay, let's let's pitch in and help, and let's let's figure out how to get that backplane uh, architected. Because I think we all know that if if Microsoft supports that backplane, and and others of us support it and, and bring in, you know, the the, ne- the network effect will start to kick in. Uh, Phil Windley, could you uh, sort of take a step back here and uh, describe uh, your perspective on the chances of of this uh, continuing and building? Hey, can, I, can I say one thing first, Steve? Sure, please. One of the things that made the PC architecture work was not just that there was a backplane, it's that the BIOS was published publicly. So anybody who built a black backplane device knew what was going to happen at the BIOS level. And we have to do the same thing with identity here, and that's what we're asking him Microsoft to do is not just give us an architecture for the backplane, but publish the file and and make it uh, no no um, punishment for using it. Yes, and you know, um, first of all, I wanted to make sure we carry this conversation on so that I understand you know all the implications in what you're saying. But w- I believe that that's what I'm doing. So. Um, I believe that this will only work... Uh, first of all, I believe everybody should just stop trying to exploit identity. And, you know, that includes my company and, you know, all the other large companies and everything else. Identity is the enabler of what I call the Big Bang. We get identity working, there's the second era of software because we now have, the so- we now have social computing. So we should just lay off making our money off identity. And I'm not talking here about people who provide special value-added services like, you know, Identity Commons and, you know, Drummond and all these guys. I'm talking about, you know, a wider range of players. And uh, that we then, you know, and yes, we have to publish this, and it has to be totally visible and totally transparent and a real ecology. And we shouldn't be an identity provider. I, I mean, you know, that's very clear to me, Bill. Yeah, I, as I listen to this, uh, and people talk about backplanes and BIOS and other things, I think it's good to tie it back to the kinds of concepts that we all know and understand. And what I mean by that is when, when Kim talks about recognition, uh, what I think about and what I'm saying when I mean trust is when I go into a store, and they ask to see my driver's license. There is a trust or a recognition on their part that the attributes on that driver's license belong to the person that presents, or at least whose picture is on the driver's license, and then they check that, of course. And that's the backplane, I think, that is missing. And to maybe be a little controversial here, we tried that once. It was called PKI. PKI is nothing more than trying to Put, to get, put a bunch of attributes in a data structure and 
do that in a way that people recognize that those attributes actually belong to the person who's presenting the certificate. It didn't work. Yes, so, but, it, so it but, didn't work with PKI. What's going to make it work now? What do we need to change? Okay, well, let me say one, just one small comment there. PKI breaks the fourth law of identity. And so it worked actually very well in terms of public websites. So, so Kim, what is that fourth law? Tell us what that is. Well, the fourth law is that complicated one, which says that if you're public, you need a fixed identifier. And if you're private, you need unidirectional identifiers. And I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that PKI worked well in the area where it, it conformed. In other words, the public sites do use PKI, and that does work quite well. But what do you mean by unidirectional identifier? I mean an identifier in which your privacy is maintained. If you're using the same PKI certificate everywhere you go on the web, you basically are, technology is introducing a tracking key for you. And, um, you know, and that isn't appropriate. It isn't appropriate. And, you know, the, the fact of uh, having to, tr uh, the, the trust issues that you raise are intricately related to that, that idea. In other words, um, you know, who is going to issue that trust that is going to be accepted all across all of the different environments in which I want to use my identity? And, what and is so the what I, to that? Yeah. well, the alternative is that, um, you is first of all that you have you you can have um, let's say pairwise identifiers. So for example, if I go to Amazon, and that's really what we have now. When I go to Amazon, hopefully I have a, even under the current system I have a different username and password than when I go to my bank. Otherwise, somebody at Amazon can go to my bank and log in, right? Um, so you can think of these things as uh, being naturally evolving pairwise identifiers. We can build an identity system where as we as private individuals go to different places, we have a different identifier at each place we go to. Um, now, when we need actual um, verification of attributes, well, then you can go to the appropriate identity provider, and this is where the ecology comes in, and negotiate one under the user's control. If we had one, now that would mean that the user has to have a reification system. In other words, a way that instead of identity being this abstract thing we're talking about on the phone, it could be something very visual. So all of these things you know, can be brought together. And, and at that point, this is where I say there isn't just one source of recognition. There will be, you know, maybe for citizenship purposes and so on, you want to trust the government. You don't want to use the government to log into a porno site. Um, you know, there, there are different aspects of your lives will, will, will require different identity identities and different providers and different sets of capabilities. Does that make any sense? Okay. Uh, Kim just asked if that made any sense. Does that make any sense to you? To who? Dave Weiner. Oh, no. Why not? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but, um, you know, because my mother taught me if you know everything nice to say, don't say anything. But um, <laughs> you asked, what? No, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, basically, I think that if, if, if you want an approach that's going to work, don't go with the ones that didn't work. You know, don't keep barking up the same tree. A psychologist will tell you this. If you, you know, keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you know, that's called dysfunction. 
and it won't work. You just simply won't get a new result if you say everybody has to work together and, you know, and then, but you keep iterating, you keep enumerating all the roadblocks and then just go by them as if they didn't matter. But they do matter. The only way you're going to get Microsoft to do anything is to make it inevitable that they do it. It isn't going to be out of the goodness of their heart. They have hundreds of millions of passport users on MSN. They're not going to change that for any reason at all, ever. You know, so that factor that in. Um, I think that an approach that might work is to say, let's start from scratch and create a system that has no privacy. It's all public information. And it's built on DNS. And it's on a very simple XML format. And, 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 and then build the services that you can build on that with the assumption of, you know, absolute transparency, no privacy for the information. And it could get very large. I mean, like, for example, TypeKey, which is a service that uh, Six of Heart came up with to solve, uh, to some extent, solve the comment spam problem in movable type for movable type users. Why couldn't they have a service they could have tapped into? Something that, at that level, where, where, where the, the security isn't the big issue. It's just sort of like a loose identity system would, be, would have been very useful. And um, it's not going to probably match any of the five laws that you put down, Kim, but it, neither do any of those systems that are in place right now. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that we should sign on to – if you want to achieve success, you're going to have to, like, scale the goals back and wait to ask Microsoft to participate until they say, basically, would you tell us if we did it right? You know, because – and that you're looking at years. I mean, but I've actually had Microsoft people ask me that question about RSS 2.0, and it's delightful. It's a wonderful place to be where you finally get to a place where a, the, the big technology vendor says, okay, we're going to use it because this is what everybody else is doing, you know? Um, and you're not going to get there by them saying we're going to be good guys and help you do that. That's not what they do. No, but, but uh, you know, listen, I'm your greatest admirer, and, um, you know, uh, I also did a, a technology that Microsoft bought into, which was MetaDirectory. Um, but I can tell you already that Microsoft is buying into these ideas. Okay. Well, then let's wait and see what – I mean, are, are they going to come back with a proposition to the rest of us that we'll find it at least somewhat palatable? Well, this is the the ideas that I'm expressing in the laws of identity are the ideas that um, I took to my, that I've been taking to Microsoft since I went there. Okay, can we add a sixth law? Does yeah, it has to be implementable by an ordinary human being in <laughs> say a reasonable let's just say a reasonable amount of time. I mean, one of the problems is that when you I start think... piling up all these requirements and throw in a lot of big companies, then you end up with something. It's utterly incomprehensible to the people who matter, which are the people who do all the innovation in our industry, which are the you know small independent developers. Okay, you know, then, this is something the big companies has totally not been willing to accept. But if you were to just do a simple amount of research, a small amount of research, you'd find that every new idea that's ever entered this industry has come from two, one or two, two or three person teams. You know, and, and they they don't work for the big companies. So like, one like, of the requirements is it has to be immediately implementable by. You know, that means it has to be low tech. Well, let let him answer the question. Well, I I, I partly agree with I, I totally agree with that with the spirit of what you're saying. I think because of the this is going to be the most attacked system that people have ever made. Um, 
and so it it's a matter of it may ha- it may have to be high tech. So now the question is, will we share that high technology such that somebody whoever wants to participate in developing it further can use that as a takeoff point? If some portion of the functionality of the identity system is public information, right, where you don't yeah. care if somebody, you know, gets access to the information, why should that come with all the overhead of a high-tech, you know, attack prevention system? Why should we wait for that? Why should we... Because it must always... Well, because it must always be under the user's control. Yeah, but there's, there, are, there are ways of putting it under the user's control that don't involve very high-tech stuff at all. Well, we should talk about that in another session because it's a really complicated area. Really? Because users have control over their websites, don't they? Well, I mean, what happens is that, the you know, once you factor in, uh, you know, uh, Trojans and, and, and even the type of software that can be animated off a website when you visit it, and in the current situation, the site that you're visiting, it's like the, the, if you're visiting a criminal site, that criminal is animating your visual experience. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, you All guys right. have a solution for that, huh? We are, well, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we are that I am, you know, godlike in my powers. But I, yes, I mean, I've been working on that really hard. Well, I, I think there's two, there are several issues here that, uh, uh, as both of you are suggesting, we need to talk about uh, some more. It's not going to be today, however, because the year is running out as we speak. <laughs> but uh, thank goodness. <laughs> well, Kim, you're you're still on the hot seat for another few minutes. So uh, I want a drink. <laughs> well, be my guest. Can I, say I want a drink with Dave. You can I want to say something. Dave, I love your blog. I want to say something. Beach right now. You wouldn't believe. It. I just came out the whitest stands I've ever seen. I want to say something. Who's that? My name is Mark Cantor. Oh, wait, I've heard of you. <laughs> All right, so I want to say something. All right, so what Dave is talking about is that simple ability for one or two guys to get some technology that's very powerful to be able to plug into this backplane. That's called Skip Networks. So maybe Dave doesn't know about Skip Networks, and I'll make sure that he, I introduce him to Dick Hart, and Dave will totally dig on Skip Networks. And if that Skip Networks mini backplane could then jack into the big meta mama backplane, then maybe we can get there. I think that's very cogent. Okay, uh, and let me go around the table uh, one more time. I did want to finish my thought, which is that I think that what Dave is bringing up uh, uh, is that there is, uh, you know, that the type of system that's being developed uh, may also need to include less complex, less powerful, more ubiquitous, uh, you know, systems to handle the majority of these types of transactions, which do not require draconian or complex solutions. Right. And, and for Microsoft to officially buy in on that as a design construct, I think, would be a very valuable thing to do. Not just, you know, you, Kim, but also uh, the people that at the end of the day, like Jim Alchin, uh, you know, make the decisions about deployment. So, anyway, I wanted to make that comment personally, and now I'd like to ask Drummond for some summary thoughts. Oh, boy, it's, I, I'm just, I feel like we've just gotten to the meat of the conversation. 
Well, at least we got to it. Yeah, at least we did. And so uh, my summary thought is that uh, I think it's a great way to start the new year. Um, I'm just looking forward to it. Um, I, uh, I, one particular point I make is uh, to build on what Mark said is that, um, you know, what we're working on with XRI and XDI is something that I'd like to see at the standards level be pluggable uh, into, the, into the, you know, mega backplane, as he puts it. Um, and I'm looking forward to working with, uh, you know, with Kim and Craig, everyone, you know, everyone on the call to, to see how we can do that because we are, we are very much concentrating now on the first problem that we can help solve in the market, you know, persistent uh, uh, addresses on the net that are not spammable, uh, a real simple single sign-on experience, moving on into real simple data interchange, uh, and that's what we're the problem we've been solving, you know, uh, and, and wanting to be as interoperable as possible with the other solutions that are coming out. But we really want it to work with, the, you know, with the whole infrastructure, and we'll do anything we can to, to help help that happen. So I just want to see the conversation keep going in, in as structured and efficient manner as possible. Sixty seconds, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, thanks very much. I agree with Drummond wholeheartedly. Um, I'll close by saying it's possible that this group collectively for all the standards that we're involved with and the efforts that we're involved in and use cases that our efforts are trying to cover, we may already have all the pieces needed to put together uh, the solution, and it may be a case of us having not carefully enough looked over the fence at exactly what the other, what the other camps are doing. Uh, maybe we're afraid of overlap, but maybe we'll also find uh, green pastures that we hadn't thought of, and uh, I'll at least be starting off the new year looking more carefully into, uh, into these other specs and... Uh, seeing what I can brainstorm. Phil? Phil Wendley. Yes, this is Phil. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I agree with Drummond. I think we're just kind of getting to the meat right now. I think it would be interesting to get this whole group together uh, and be able to speak for hours about this and maybe try and hammer out some, some of the issues. I, I feel in some ways that Kim is teasing us, that he knows some of the answers to these questions and he's that either doesn't feel like he has time or isn't quite ready to spill the beans, so I'd, I'd love to corner him sometime and, and really get to the get to the meat of it. Well, he's got, I'll point out, he's got two laws he hasn't handed down yet, but uh, I hope he doesn't take too much longer to get out there. Well, remember that uh, Moses had 12 laws and two of them broke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Doc Searles. One of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this particular group of people together, especially have, have, uh, have Dave in on it, is that I've, I've seen what having... The, the tireless and very intelligent advocacy of one um, very determined person can do. And uh, on, on uh, one of my blogs yesterday, <laughs> I forget even which one, um, I, I, I said that what this movement needs is a Dave Weiner, and it would be putting too much pressure on, uh, on the group to have anybody step forward. But I am looking for somebody to step forward. I think if this thing's going to work, there is going to be a leader of some kind. And it's not going to be a company, it's going to be a person. And uh, maybe it'll be a number of leaders, and maybe it'll be in different ways. Uh, maybe different people go off in different directions. It's a huge topic, and it can break up into a number of different subtopics. But I think there needs to be, um, you know, a, a really committed personality to make this thing kind of happen. So, All right, listen, we're, the CD is about to break. Okay. Uh, I want to thank everybody so much for showing up on a holiday like today. And uh, we wish you all the, the greatest of happiness in the new year. And uh, to all the listeners, keep up the great work. I uh, nominate Dick Hart. Well, you know, as usual, Mark, you get the last word. This is Steve Gilmore for the Gilmore Gang saying 
See you next year. Bound out. Okay, thanks, Steve, and uh, thanks to the entire Gilmore Gaggle today. My name is Doug Kay, and I hope you'll join me next year for another edition of the Gilmore Gang on IT Conversations. Thank you.